In Titus 2, older women are commanded to teach what is good so they can help younger women love their husbands and children. On today's show, you'll hear from older women who will share timeless, relevant biblical wisdom and personal, profound life experiences to help answer your questions and teach what God says is good so you can be the wife and mother you were created to be. Welcome to another episode of Older Women Likewise. Good evening. We're so glad you could be with us tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking about Christianity, and uh, it's just such a wonderful uh, subject and one that is so near uh, to each of us. Um, but before we start, we wanted to chat just a little bit. Um, Cindy, I see you're in a house today. Yeah, in a house. What is going on? We're enjoying the company of our good friends, Howard and Brenda Hughes, and their hospitality and just taking a breather from the van for about, oh, I think it's about nine days. And yeah, oh, great. yeah, loving it. That's great. That is wonderful. I know you're catching up on some work and and um, getting some good relaxation. So that's marvelous. Allison, how are the classes and things going? Are oh my you goodness. busy? You know, I never sit still very long. Um, <laughs> tomorrow I leave for Florida. I'm doing a camp there. Um, actually kind of near you, I guess. Um, that's so, right. Um, maybe we'll get to visit in person. That'd be lovely. Love that. <laughs> um, and then after that, I come back and I'm in full swing for uh, a musical that I'm doing. It goes up right after 4th of July that weekend and stuff. Okay. So, and then I get about two weeks off and then I'm back at it again. Absolutely. <laughs> well, <laughs> you are busy, busy. Some yeah. people tell me I'm busy and I'll say, no, not like Allison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I have downtime, I just make up more stuff to do, you know? Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I hear you. Um, my daughter is visiting with us, uh, Wallace and me, this week. Uh, her son's at uh, camp at Acapella Camp. Oh, yeah. In fact, um, uh, we're going on Friday night. We're going to be with, uh, go there and watch the whole production. And it's right. really exciting. So we're just really nice. looking forward to that. And uh, it's just having grown children is the greatest. And then as the grandchildren are growing up, so much fun. I mean, little ones are fun too, but oh, they're such a joy as they get yeah, older. Right. So I just feel so blessed this week, mm -hmm. especially, I think. So, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, so back to the subject at hand, we're talking about Christianity, and Cindy's going to lead us in our discussion tonight. Yes, Christianity. Unlike most other world religions, one of the clearest truths presented in scripture is that Christianity is not one path of many. Um, toward being united with God. Um, Jesus Christ adamantly claims in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so Jesus didn't say that he was one way to the Father or that he was um, one kind of truth that we can accept. He was the way, he's the truth the divine source of truth. And so he has then the final say that trumps all other voices. And so today I wanted to uh, begin our conversation with this question. 
what objective evidence is there that Christianity is the one true religion? So Jesus makes this claim, but a lot of pe other people have also made similar claims, like follow me, you know. Um, but why is it that the three of us have decided that our worldview, our day-to-day -day decisions, everything, really our life moment by moment is based on the authenticity of Christianity? So what would you guys say is that what's that objective evidence? Allison? Well, um, the, uh, to me, it, go, it speaks to the fact that everything I have tested so far uh -huh. has been true. Everything oh, okay. that, um, you know, we've talked in the past about the De Dead Sea Scrolls. It yeah. all goes to validate it all of the, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, all of the prophecies and how it's all, okay, that was true. And that was true. And that was true. I think sometimes um, there are little telltale signs when a man can, um, when there's a new religion and there's a man who suddenly we have this new rule where I can have 15 wives. It's always it's, that, Allison. It's a little <laughs> suspect to me. Right. I, you know, I just say, Okay, you know, there are little things, there are little clues that go on that it doesn't jive with itself. But when you have this person who speaks the opposite of what anyone who was trying to attract people, you know, so many things, you know, in order to live, you must die. You know, yeah. the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. When you hear all these things, it all is attractive to me. It, it, no one could make this up and it be true. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it has to be everything I have found factually that I have studied for myself, not necessarily listening to other people, but uh -huh. that I, it is all, I found it to be true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. definitely. The, um, I agree on, especially the archeology span part of it. And so let's bring up a chart that I have on fulfilled prophecies because this is the clincher mm. for me so these prophecies that you see these predictions of a future messiah a man who would come and live a life and would save the world through uh, his sacrifice all these predictions date back thousands of years so like how do we know that how do we know that those books are as old as they're said to be. Um, Allison, would you review a little bit on yeah. how the Dead Sea Scrolls proved these to be ancient writings that were fulfilled on all of the, if you see on the right-hand column, those are um, spoken during the life of Christ. So we know that those date back to the first century, but these predictions, are they really that old? Well, the, um, what we have is a, a validation that they are accurate and true. There's always the question of, you know, it happened, they wrote it down, and then they copied it and copied it and copied yes. it. And what did we lose some of what was originally said? Mm -hmm. And the Dead Sea Scrolls, the way that they come into, um, if you want more details, look back in ours and yes. you know, look at one of our previous mm -hmm. episodes. Um, we had, as of 900... AD after Christ, 
um, we had what was called the Aleppo Codex. And it was what we have had that has been copied and copied and copied and copied. That's what the King James Version actually of our Bible came from was the Aleppo Codex. But when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, those actually dated to well over a thousand years before the Aleppo Codex. So mm -hmm. here is a separate entity. They had been copied as well. Are they accurate? So we have a definitive way to say, is this the same thing? Are they the same words as our original words? And 300 years before Christ was mm -hmm. even here, we found these Dead Sea Scrolls were dated to 300 years before. So now it's like, okay, you have 300 years before Christ. You have 900 years after. Let's match them up. Mm -hmm. And with, I think it was like 98% accuracy. Sometimes they said Jesus Christ. Sometimes they said Christ Jesus. That was uh -huh. considered an inaccuracy. Oh, uh -huh. and sometimes when they would spell the word like in old English, it's like O L D the word, and now we spell it O L D. Well, obviously it's the same word. It's just an updated because it's been a thousand years. Yeah, those things were considered inaccuracies, but nothing, not mm -hmm. one discrepancy as far as um, as far as doctrine or commands. Nothing exactly the same. Thank you. Thank you for that review. So as we look at that list of predictions, I just wanted to highlight a few of those. And so the one in Micah 5.2, here we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ um, is actually born. He's predicted that this Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So like, what are the chances of that? And he would be of the tribe of Judah. Now, that, that prediction is thousands of years old, back from uh, Genesis chapter 49. Look at the specifics as you go down that. One of the specifics, 30 pieces of silver would be his betrayal price from Zechariah 11, 12. And as you, as you go down, then you see a lot of them have to do with when he's crucified. The thing that's, cru that's amazing about that, that is that when Isaiah 53, 12 predicts the crucifixion, there is no such thing as the crucifixion yet in the history of capital punishment. That doesn't come in until the Roman Empire at the very time where Christ is crucified. And then shortly after that, it again disappears from a lot of the, um, the practices around the world. And it, if you consider that Jesus is literally nailed on a cross, he's unable to manipulate the situation at all his, I mean, he's nailed on a cross uh -huh. and yet still all these prophecies come true. Yeah. And your point is well stated, especially in, in light of Psalms 34, 20, when it says, but uh, not, not one of his bones would be broken. So he is dead by that point. He has no control exactly. what's going to happen, but these prophecies are fulfilled. He thirsts on the cross. He's given vinegar to drink. He says, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Uh, buried in the uh, tomb of a rich man and his resurrection and ascension. So there is a man, um, a number of years ago, a, a man named Peter W. Stoner and Robert C. Newman. They wrote a book entitled Science Speaks. And this book was based on the science of probability. And it set out to like, what are the odds of one man right. in history just happen to happening to fulfill uh, really only eight, eight of the 60 major prophecies about the life of Christ. 
and they found that the probability of Jesus of Nazareth, the founder of Christianity, having fulfilled that, um, even just eight of those prophecies, was one in 10 to the 17th power. And that's that's a one followed by 17 zeros. (laughs) It is. And that's all. And so what would that number be if it was all 60? So Mm -hmm. that for me is very, very convicting. And the fact that we do know that these are ancient writings and the specific nature of each of them. And and Cindy, I just want to bring it to everyone's attention. That is not a religious fact. That is a mathematical fact. Yeah. And I think it's important to see that this is not we're just the same old, same old, same old. This is actually outside information. This is mathematical yeah. fact. Yeah. Yes. Extra biblical evidence mm-hmm. outside of the scriptures. Right. So that's why I'm a Christian. To be honest, if there was not all this objective science behind uh, the reality of Jesus was who he said he was, that's that really has a lot to do with Uh, for me, building my faith. So that's the objective side. I want to now switch gears a little bit and talk about um, Asar Savior. There's a chart that I'd like um, to be put up on the screen that talks about all the names of Jesus Christ within the scripture. So this kind of appeals to me to the other side of our human nature, our heart. Like why... Do I want to, you know, as we're thinking about, is Christianity worth all the sacrifices necessary? As Allison mentioned, like, it can actually cost you your physical life. And there are people that have died for the only reason because they were Christians. Right. So it can, it's, um, it enriches our life every day, but it also at times may cost you your life. So as you look at all of these descriptions of Jesus Christ, I mean, he's called our advocate in first uh, John two, one, because he strongly supports us. Every one of us need, as we go through hard times, strong support. Um, because of his power, he's called the almighty. Jesus has called the bread of life because he sustains us spiritually. Our Lord is called our bridegroom because of his intimate relationship with the church. He's called the good shepherd for his tender care over each of our souls. And as I walk through the rest of these, think about your own need for every one of these qualities that are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is the creator and the deliverer who rescues us from sin. He refers to himself as the gate because it is through him that we enter our relationship with the Father and eventually a home in heaven. He's our high priest because he gives intercession for us to the Father. He's our hope for without his sacrifice, we could not live in expectation of a heavenly reward. And when Jesus is called the Lamb of God, it represents his being sacrificed for the forgiveness of our sins. We we need that. He's called the light of the world because he gives us clear direction, lighting our way through life. Jesus is our rock for he brings to us a stability and a protection. He's called the true vine because it's he who makes our lives truly fruitful and productive. And finally, he's called the way because there is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. I mean, he is undeniably the son of God. And during his ministry, he taught the world's most invaluable truths 
including the most important question in your life and mine, ladies, and that is what must I do to prepare to meet God so that I can experience a joyful eternity with him? So um, I'll give you guys first crack at that. Like, how does one become a Christian? Say you've looked at all this objective evidence that we've just Mm -hmm. discussed. You've listened to everything that Jesus offers to us in who he is and how he's described. And so for those that are like, yes, I want to become a Christian. What what would you say to them? I, I want to first say that yeah. I think it's important that every person listen uh, listen to God. It, it's yes. to get your information from God. Like if if I flash out a chart right here and I say, here it is, read these verses. Yeah. My intellect and abilities are similar to everyone else's. So if I have an opinion and you have an opinion, we're the same. There's no, listen to me. I have it all. I, I do not have the information for myself, but I do go to the creator of the universe. Mm -hmm. And I, he alone is qualified to tell us how to get there. And if you are seeking it from a person Mm -hmm. or from me from Mm -hmm. your preacher, from your parents, it's the wrong place. And I just want to encourage everybody, seek it for yourself. Read it for yourself. Like I'm going to tell you, but I also want you, this is not, I'm not chewing your food up for you. You need to chew it for yourself. Yep. So. Yeah. What does God say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does God say? Well, one thing that God says about how we prepare for eternity, um, how we become a Christian is found in Acts um, chapter 2, verse 36 through 41. And so that says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were all pierced to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, it says he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And it says, so then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls all in one day. So I, you know what, Allison, I think I kind of jumped the gun on presenting that verse. Um, would you share with us um, Jesus's instructions before this situation happens where he's been crucified and people are like, great, what, what are we going to do now? And His they're given that answer. Commission. Like in yeah. Mark 6, verses 15 and 16, it says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And it, it's just, once again, don't listen to me, read it. That's mm-hmm. Mark 16, 15, and 16. Thank that's you. Thank correctly. You. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's when they're told to go and do. Then what, what I read about was them actually carrying that out. So 
I'd like to bring up a chart now that shows their success. So these, these apostles that he commissioned to go out into the world and preach the gospel. So the reason, uh, the book of Acts in the scriptures is um, also called the Acts of the Apostles. So they go out, they obey Jesus after he ascends back to the Father. And so they are spreading Christianity here in the first century. Um, and so this chart, I think, is very, very helpful in helping us see um, the consistency with which um, the consistency of what the apostles taught that people needed to do to be saved and how they all it wasn't like they everybody got a different assignment. You know, sometimes there's yeah. movies where you have to go and accomplish this great, you know, feat of strength and, you know, some huge quest. Now, people did these things uh, that you can see on this chart with much, much consistency. And so a, a, just a walk through the book of Acts shows that once people heard the gospel, those that believed were also told in many cases to repent. And so this chart is not saying that some people repented and some did not. It's just saying, as Allison just pointed out, like, what has God said uh, these are the things that are expressly um, stated in each of these cases of conversion. It's pretty interesting. Well, I guess there's an inference there. If you're baptized, lady, see the, see the column where it has all the baptisms? Even though belief is not mentioned, for example, there in the case of Saul or in the case of Lydia, neither of those souls are going to be baptized if they don't believe. So, right. Right. And so uh, last week we had Colleen Osteen pointed, pointed out, I wanted to bring this out because she had mentioned um, just the significance of the consistency. And I'm like, oh, yes, that would be great to include this kind of chart for people to see that everyone believed they repented. Um, there's an example there of confessing Christ, um, that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And then, then we learned that um, we're all to be faithful at, unto death, Christ says, and I will give you the crown of life. So any other comments before we move on from um so we're not going to take away anything that God said we must do to be saved. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to add anything extra because as you have pointed out, you know, that God, uh, God tells us all we need to know for life and godliness. And yeah, need- I think it's important to not open the Bible, read one verse, this, says yeah. this, and then close it and be like, I got it. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I feel like it's like, I have one verse, I asked one person, and this is the answer. Yeah. Like, I I just want to caution people against that. Open your Bible. Read Like, you showed multiple accounts, multiple stories. How did this put it together? It's, I, it's everything. Yeah. It is your eternal life. It is your soul. And it's not Mm -hmm. worth an open your book, read Mm -hmm. one verse, and move on with it. It's right. worth your time. It's worth the study. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a verse that says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And it's almost like water. Like the more you study, the more you want. And the more you want. And the more you kind of get away from it, 
it, you're going to cycle one way or the other, but I, I would just encourage our listeners to open a book for yourself and read it. Mm -hmm. And these charts can help you follow it, but read it for yourself. Yes. And, you know, uh, as well, uh, where do you start? I, a lot of people are like, I've never read the Bible. Where do I need to start? And they'll start with the book of Genesis. And, and oh. the Bible story is a marvelous story. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But it's a long way from Genesis until the book of Acts when you learn what you need to do to be saved. Yeah. My advice always is to people, where are you in this journey? Yeah. Do you believe Jesus is the son of God? Well, if you do, then do let's go to the book of Acts, you know, because... This is what happened after he was uh, raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. And now here's what happens next. It's kind of like Jesus lived and died, was raised from the dead. So what? So that you can be saved. And, and so yeah. start with the book of Acts is often a good spot for us to start with. And I, I also wanted to point out on the chart, yeah. a lot of people said, well, it didn't say everything, everybody, but that wasn't where they were. You know, oh, uh -huh. God, God reaches us and speaks to us from where we are. Right. And if I already believe in Jesus as the son of God, yeah. you don't have to spend two or three hours explaining to me how Jesus is the son of God right. in order for me to, to learn what to do to be saved. Mm -hmm. I already have that. Let's go to the next step. And like with Saul, yeah. He had already believed Jesus was the son of God. And, mm -hmm. You know, he knew it. God would spoken. Right. Jesus had spoken to him. So, you know, Ananias did not have to tell him to believe. He believed. Mm -hmm. He needed to know what to do next, you know, for salvation. Right. So if, if there's only, if you're only ready to read one book, you know, start with the book of Acts. It's so readable mm -hmm. and it's, I mean, for for the average reader, it's it's straightforward. It's it's really a simple story, and you can see what people did in New Testament times to be saved. Exactly. If, if you want a little precursor, and you only want to read one of the accounts, Luke and Acts are written by the same person, so you yeah. can start in Luke, yeah, and get the yeah. whole story of Jesus, the the prequel. And yeah, then right. read Acts, but then it's a little mm -hmm. bit consistent because it's the same author. Exactly. And so as we read those cases of conversion, I also want to clarify that um, it's not that we're saying that it is uh, we're saved by our own work. So really what we're right. seeing in the book of Acts is that we have God's undeserved love and grace and mercy reaching out to these lost souls and they are trusting his way that he's chosen to save them so it's really god who does the work right even when people are responding in an obedient way to his love and grace so i wanted to ask you guys um about your own coming to christ like what do you remember about your reasoning process or the challenges or the emotional elements and the other surrounding events that led to your own decision to embrace pre-denominational first century Christianity. I was, as the saying goes, raised on the pew. And okay. so I was always, from the time I was two weeks old, which was, you know, early from, from now, from, from current standards, I guess you would say. 
But uh, my parents, we went to church. We always went to church and I never knew anything different. I just, uh, that was just what we did. And I never questioned, like we talk about, is Christianity legitimate? I never questioned it. Everybody knew it was the truth. We knew gravity. We knew the sun. We knew the Lord. And so it was all, uh, it was just what it was. Um, And I, it was, uh, I knew to be saved that I needed to be baptized. Uh, And I was baptized when I was 10 years old, way too soon for me because it was just a, this is what you do. This is the next step. It was in my twenties, I think that I began to question, did I really understand what I did and determined that maybe I didn't, I wasn't Mm -hmm. sure, Mm -hmm. but maybe I didn't. And so in faith, I went before uh, the Lord and I was baptized Mm -hmm. Uh, to me. I was, I got wet one time and I got got saved another time and the Lord knows which one it was. Mm-hmm. This, the second time I was baptized, I really knew what I was doing. And I don't regret the years before at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, but yeah. I, you know, for me, there was not a questioning until I was much older and, and encountered people who said, yeah, but what about this? And what mm-hmm. about that? I said, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that because it was what, everybody knew was the truth. So mm-hmm. it's interesting uh, in later generations that are, that have that questioning about is Christianity the real, is that oh, yeah. the true religion? Yeah. And um, it's just interesting. It's good, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and because, but we didn't study it that way because it's what everybody knew. I say. Wow. I was also raised in the church. My dad was a preacher and I had a few bumps in the road compared to Isla. <laughs> okay. And it wasn't really, uh, I'm on this road and I'm going to switch over to this road. It okay. was a conscious decision of, am I going to stay on this road? Oh, This road makes sense to me. And um, when I was probably in middle school, I had something that really affected me. And um, okay. Remember I was in middle school before I tell you a story. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Please remember that. Okay. Um, It was a point where my older sister was in high school and she was very influential. I just wanted her to like me and she, you know, I was annoying. I know that's hard to believe, but (laughs) I just wanted her to like me and she had a lot of influence over me. And I think she knew, I think at that point she was just seeing how far she could push me. Mm. And she invited me to go to the mall with her. And I was like, yay, I'm so excited. And we came into a store and I had a few things and they were falling out of my pockets. And I, I, I was being annoying. And my sister was like, well, why don't you steal that purse? Oh, wow. And y'all, I did it. Oh, wow. And um, it's terrible. Like I let the guilt from this thing convince me that I wasn't worthy. And that was my middle school brain. Telling me it was the devil. The devil was trying to convince like, Okay, you know, now my adult brain is like, that's the whole reason you get baptized because you do dumb stuff and he's got to wash it away. (laughs) And then you can stay on this, like you get it. But I just allowed the devil to convince me that I was not worthy. Mm. And um, I hope that there aren't people out there 
that think the same way I did, you know, yes. I need to learn better. Yes. And I know as I got older, um, I kept thinking, you know, I, I was finally baptized. Um, mm -hmm. And I can remember questioning myself, am I doing this because mm. it's what I've always done? Because my parents did this or whatever. And I was having this conversation in high school about whether there was a God or not. And mm. I remember mm -hmm. where I was standing. I remember what he was wearing. I remember exactly the circumstances. Mm. And this guy had said, well, we really don't know that there's a God. And, you know, it's kind of silly to believe that there's somebody created. But, and that is sort of where <laughs> my memory ends. Okay. And Morgan picks up and my hand is on his shoulder. <laughs> and I have been yelling. <laughs> and like my face is flushed and everybody around is going, what? And they're like, Allison, it, like, it's okay. It's okay. And I was like, oh, I, I, like, apparently I do believe this. <laughs> She's convicted. <gasps> yes. Oh, and I do want to say I did end up returning the purse. Okay. So oh, good. Just in the end. Oh, good. Restitution. Get, like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I should probably fill that in. Um, but <laughs> I questioned so many times. I questioned myself, and I questioned myself. Yeah. But it was that moment when I knew that I had chosen it for myself, and not gotcha. because my mom and dad did it, not because I had. I knew that I had chosen it yes. because it was a I believe. You know what I take away from both of you, both of your stories here, and this is the first time I've ever heard either one of them. Um, from Isla, Isla, you know, there is biblical precedence, isn't there, in the book of Acts about people mm -hmm. who did not really have enough understanding at the time that they were baptized, and then they're given more information mm -hmm. and they are baptized again. So I think that is... Um, evidence that if you, for example, it, when Jesus says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, if you misunderstood and thought that he that believes is saved and then should later be baptized or that kind of thing, if you've, if there were things that you did not really understand that you should have understand, then that is totally biblical to mm -hmm. be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins as they did in Acts 2. Um, and then Allison, I mean, yours, you already made that the point, but I love that you are saying that no matter what the guilt is that you're bringing, I mean, even we talked about abortion a couple of weeks ago, God forgives everything because right. God used the apostle Paul who killed all kinds of Christians before he knew the truth. And so if God he can forgive Paul, yes, right. yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. So when uh, my story was, I was around a lot of adults um, when I was growing up that were having Bible studies with all kinds of people from all kinds of religions. So I was in this environment all constantly where the question was always being asked, like, what does God say on this topic? What uh -huh. does God say on that topic? And what do we need to do to align our thinking with his? And so remember I was given my first Bible, a King James version, children's Bible, maybe around the fourth grade. And I mean, I just instantly wanted to read it cover to cover um, and like highlight what struck me. And I think it was just, I was inspired by the passion of the people around me that were really um, taking deep, deep interest in the word of God. So then as I entered my early teens, my mother made me promise not to assume that all of her conclusions were correct. 
but that I would need to humbly and honestly read for myself the scriptures and believe and obey them so that I would be prepared to look God in the face one day um, at the resurrection and be able to give an account to him for what I believed and taught. Um, and she actually let me visit um, some denominations. Usually it was it was never times that conflicted with um, our own classes or worships. And I'm not saying that every parent should do this. I'm just telling my story here. Um, cause there's a needs to be, she probably knew my mental strength and my convictions, but, um, so I would from time to time do that. And since I've been reading my Bible regularly, I would like take notes and I was observing, uh, what they were doing and whether or not it was in harmony or at variance with what I knew that God had said on different acts of worship or different, different things in the scriptures. And so, um, I was baptized when I was 14 and I knew I wanted to be a preacher's wife <laughs> at that point too. And so three years later at the ripe old age of a 17, I became a preacher's wife. Um, oh, no regrets mm-hmm. on that. <laughs> no I regrets. I'm just now yeah. that. Yeah, I was in high school. I was on the Christmas break of my senior year of high school when Mark and I got married. And um, I can't close my mouth. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. People who have teenagers hate when I say this story out loud because they're like, don't give don't give our kids any ideas. But I mean, no regrets. With God, God, all things are possible. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I I just I love this decision I made to be a preacher's wife that I wanted to marry a preacher when I was 14. It's to this day, I love being at the grassroots of the only answer that solves every social, relational, and spiritual problem that we're ever going to face in this country and as individuals. So that kind of leads us to um, our next question. Like, what have you enjoyed the most about um, being in relationship with Christ? You know, Beth and I were talking about this yesterday as we were driving, we went up to Georgia to visit her in-laws and we were coming back and, and I was going through the questions and I said, what do you yeah. think? What do you, and she said, forgiveness. She said, oh. I've enjoyed forgiveness so much. She said in this cancel culture of ours, we see that the world has no forgiveness. Here's a political figure, something will come out or some celebrity 20 years ago, they wrote or said oh. a certain thing. And now they're this person's out. They're just out. There's no, and as much as they say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That was wrong because they're out. They're just out. Yeah. She Uh said, there's just no forgiveness in the world. And, but with God, there's total forgiveness. And, and all we have to do is, is to repent in the case of a, a new person who's not a child of God. Uh, you know, give yourself to God and, and submit to baptism and you're forgiven of all your sins. And, and yeah. as we continue as Christians, I can pray God to forgive my sins. I can ask my sisters and brothers in Christ to forgive me when I sin against them. And I can have the peace of forgiveness. Complete peace. He, he removes our sins as far as the East is from the West, right? I will remember your sins no more. Love it. What do you think, Allison? What are some of the things you've enjoyed? You just segued perfectly into mine. That just worked. Mine is the peace in the storm. Mm. And I get kind of emotional about it because there are so many times when 
I know it wasn't my strength that got me through. I mean, I know when people probably look at us and they go, oh, you've got your act together. You've always been. No, we all have trials. And the more I think you stand up for what is right, the more the devil comes after you. You know, he Mm -hmm. wants to try and shut you down. He is in line seeking to destroy you. Yep. And, um, I, there was one particular time and I was just like starting to spiral Mm. and you know how I'm dramatic. I know. Okay. Um, but (laughs) I just had to like calm myself down and I was like, okay, what is the most important thing? And I had gotten out my piece of paper and I was ready to make my list of all the things that I needed to do. Yeah. And before I wrote down the first thing, I was like, the most important thing is that I get myself to heaven. Yeah. And, you know, Mm -hmm. how important is this thing that I'm worried about? Mm -hmm. You know, on a scale of one to 10, a a two. Like, this is is all going to burn up. Yeah. It means nothing that without Christ. And there's a a lyric from the song, um, Peace, perfect peace mm-hmm. that says, um, peace, perfect peace with sorrows surging around on Jesus' bosom, not but calm is found. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you can find that peace that surpasses all understanding, mm-hmm. only God can do that. Only God, mm-hmm. you have a God-sized hole inside of you, and mm-hmm. only God fulfills that. And because he's omnipresent. He, he, Jesus said, I am with you always, even yes. unto the end of the world. And because he's omnipotent, you he's know. on your side through all this. And he has the power that you don't have to bring resolution and such. Beautiful, I, beautiful. I, I know I've quoted my daddy before, but he would okay. always, when the, we'd be watching the Westerns and he'd want to turn it off. And he'd say, it's all in the script. The good guys are going to win. And they would, the good guys would always win. And I often think about that, like you say, uh, Uh Allison, in in the midst of some turmoil, and I'm thinking, how's this going to work out? And I'm just thinking, calm down, God's got it all in the script. Good guys are going to win. And we just, Mm -hmm. you know, have to trust God. I like to read the whole script and know how it ends. All right. (laughs) I don't get the whole script. Yeah, doesn't always work out that way. There's so much freedom. I think what you got, the examples you guys have given really have pointed out, there's so much freedom from every direction. I mean, even freedom from the fear of death, um, that we have a a higher level of peace about our mortality. There's a freedom um, there. There's insight at every turn of how life really works. So we're not like flying blind. I've really loved mm-hmm. as a Christian the di- knowing the direction. A direction like how should I use my time? Like what's my next move? Often in scriptures, the answer is there. Like we hear about enlightenment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, enlightenment is found with the creator of this planet. Like what is real in this dark, deceptive world? be enlightened through what God says. There's just such great clarity, you know, like, you know, you can know when you're hearing a lie, like a cultural lie, because you've got some objective truth to compare it with. These are some of the things that I'm just so glad to be in Christ, Mm -hmm. be baptized into Mm -hmm. Christ. I mean, I think it leads ultimately like mental and physical health. I mean, we could go on and on. We could do an entire podcast on... (laughs) on an entire program oh, yeah. about yes 
Yeah, mm-hmm. all the joys of being in relationship with Christ. They're so vast and innumerable. So mm-hmm. let's close, ladies, with just a few ideas about what do you think are some of the most effective words and actions to draw open hearts to God? And if you don't mind, I'm going to start off um, with my, my hubby and I do as we're living nomadically. One thing that I do is I have spiritual conversations with the people that we meet is that I hand them this card that I had made up. This is a contact card. And so it brings them like to our website and um, basically it, it takes them to about 140 podcasts that we've done. Most all of them are on spiritual topics, not all of them. But, and then um, I also, one thing that I do is that I offer people a free copy of my book, Your Fresh Start, which is basically five Bible classes, how we know there's a God, how we know the Bible's his word, how we know Jesus is the Messiah, restoring New Testament Christianity and what God expects of his children on a moral level, uh, right? And how to tell right from wrong. So we give these out by the thousands all over the country. We donate them to libraries and um, yeah, give them, we give them away. So uh, your fresh start is published by One Stone Publishing. If anybody wants to take a look at that, but I the point is finding your own thing that mm-hmm. as you talk to people that you meet, it doesn't have to be what I just showed you, but yeah. like what's something that you're going to offer, or do you already have your Bible? Uh, if you uh, somebody's like, could you please sit down with me and explain to me what is Christianity? Um, having kind of being prepared ahead of time for that opportunity. So, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts? I think um, one of the things is to love people, to love in yes. word and in deed, because Jesus said in First John, really talks about love, that the way that the world will know that we belong to Jesus mm-hmm. is because we love. We love one another, and that is so unique in the world. It was in, in the New Testament times. Uh, it was, I'm, I'm sure mothers loved children and husbands loved wives, among pagans it was so love was not unique but the love of the brethren and the love for christ and god was unique in some way and we can show that love to the world and by loving others in the things that we say and the things that we do um and and we can you know just show love every day as much as we can uh in every way and part of that love is speaking the truth in love. I wouldn't say anything to you, except I know I would want to know that this is the truth because I wouldn't want somebody to hear, to hear me being told a lie and then just say, well, she'll figure it out after a while. You know, I would want somebody to say, you know, that they're not telling you the truth, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, show love in that way. Yeah. Yes. I creating relationships, where when they are interested or questioning or creating a relationship that they can come to you, you know, yeah. that's especially with the girls that sing for me. Yeah. Um, you know, when they, if, if I am, well, you did this wrong and you did this wrong and you did this wrong, as opposed to honey, whatever it is, you and I can get to the bottom of this. You and yeah. I can work this out. Mm -hmm. And it's creating a relationship that they know, like you said, that I love them. 
and that I want what's best for them. If it's, I just want to get an ego boost by telling you all the things you did wrong. They are not, it, that door is so hard shut. But if you say, baby, we can figure this out together. And like, I realize you're going through something hard mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to tell you something, your strength is not going to get you through this. Mm-hmm. You know, I ha- I can't tell you how many times I say, honey, you need Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That says it all. And it is. It's like, look, I, 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 there is no book. There is no person and people will tell you that they can, but there is nothing that is going to solve this. Your strength cannot get you through this. And Mm -hmm. you have to, it it is only Jesus that is going to bring you to a place where I, to get to the peace that I have. And let me show you, let me show you Mm -hmm. what I see. But once again, read it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That opens the door when it's not, Mm -hmm. I have all the, I mean, first of all, if I start telling people I have all the answers, they're going to discount that right away. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, but I can point you to where the answers are. Yes. And one thing also that points, I think the lost world to where the answers are, are live is living a good example, you know, in your own life. Like it preaches this lovely sermon that's called look how well God's wisdom works in life. So, um, or even if we bounce back from something that's been very, very difficult, that preaches, wow, I, I, I need what she has, you know, when I, when I make a mistake or we make mistakes and we try to hide it or diminish and it's like, yeah, no, if I yelled at you in public and I was wrong, mm-hmm. I'm going to apologize to you in public yes. uh-huh. where I was. and that makes a difference to people. Mm-hmm. It, it makes a difference because it's not just that I want you to think I did it right. I want God, I want, I'm worried about God. Like I'm worried mm-hmm. about giving an answer for this. I'm going to do it the right way. Not oh, because yeah. I, you know, of what you think of me, but because of what he thinks. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also a lot of value in like such things as how the moral standard of Christianity prevents so unnecessary, so much unnecessary pain in life. I think uh, how, like how well it works in marriage or raising children or having peace in your church family, all of those, all of those, I think really, really shine a light. So um, Isla, I think that's about all I have for tonight. And so what are we talking about next week? We are very happy to have Lauren Basford back with us again. Uh, She's going to be talking about the power of Christianity in the secular world. And especially, or for example, I should say, she's going to talk about the power of Christianity in um, response to addiction. And uh, we're going to be sort of exploring that topic. But how Christianity uh, is powerful. It's powerful in the religious world, but it's so powerful in the secular world. So that's next Thursday, uh, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. So please be sure to join us for that. And also join Answering Religious Error on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock Eastern when uh, the fellows are, are talking about keeping your head on straight and then also uh, questions and answers at Wednesday on Wednesdays at noon Eastern when they're answering religious questions. And be sure to send in your questions because they just love to talk about the Bible. And just as we all do, we, 
We love it, we live it, and we love to talk about it. So thank you all for joining us this evening. And Allison and Cindy, it's good to be with you again. And we'll tell everyone good night.